on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Rome, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Hope you're all ready for the big K-Rock free-for-all tomorrow, our uh, bro stat station, K-Rock, putting on the big one tomorrow, baby, downtown Utica free concert, free, F-R-E-E, baby, get down there, enjoy the great music from 1 until 7 tomorrow. Uh, right on Genesee Street, right in the heart of downtown, just right across from the palatial K-Rock Studios in the Landmark Building. Enjoy it, baby. Hope everything's great in the Mohawk Valley. Hope everything's great where you are today. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app. Somewhere beyond the boundaries of central New York, somewhere within the boundaries of central New York, wherever you are, that is a great way to keep up with us no matter where you go and what you do. Just download the ESPN app, find the Listen tab, Find ESPN Syracuse, and off you go. Doing the thing. Take us with you. We like to go places. We like to see the world. Go on new adventures. Boldly go where no man has gone before. Here's how you get in touch with the program today. 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can always hit me on Twitter where the show never stops. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The On the Block text line is 2880644. Seth and I were just talking about this during the break. Um, one thing led to the next, and Seth and Stephen Fonte back at it on Orange Nation weekdays, 12 to 2 right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. We're going through some old texts on the text line, and I think uh, old takes exposed has nothing on old texts read. There were some buttes in there, so if you'd like to fire off a text that may get read two or three years from now as the hottest of takes, then... That's hot. Please do. You got your face in your phone anywhere, you might as well fire off a hot take or two at us. Coming up, Nico Tamurian, CNY Central, in studio. Which, I gotta stop doing this because when Nico comes in studio, he's the TV guy, he comes in, he's looking sharp, he's looking good, he's the sharp-dressed man, and I'm just like in my dopey golf shirt... I have shorts on today that literally have four holes in them. Time to get some new shorts, I think. And he comes in, Mr. GQ, and, I, and that's great. That that's great. You can you can do that because tomorrow, tomorrow I'm getting my trophy back. Team Axe will rightfully bring home the Syracuse Crunch Street Hockey Media Game Trophy. 
It comes home tomorrow. It has wandered off. It has been lost. You know, it happens. The trophy was with me for three years. It just kind of wanted to see other parts of the world. It wanted to go different places. You know, we all know that college kid, right, that wants to find themselves, took a semester off, went to Europe and backpacked, man. Well, what always happens with them? They come home, right? They get that dose of reality and like, no, it is better at home. It is better where I know how my life's going to be. So I think the trophy got, got it out of its system. It went somewhere else, but now is ready to come home. So tomorrow, the big street crunch media hockey game where out-of-shape media people go out there and play street hockey. It's at 1030 on Montgomery Street right across from the War Memorial. We shut it down, man. We shut the street down. And we play street hockey, and it's a lot of fun. And if you can come down and check it out tomorrow morning, weather's going to be great. Then please do. We're going to have a ball, and, you know, you can uh, celebrate. I'll pour some uh, champagne on you from the cup. you got to bring your own champagne, don't expect me to do that, but that's tomorrow. Nico and I will discuss that, some Syracuse football, and uh, just why he's so darn good looking. All coming up later in the show. That's hot. Oh, that's for sure. We got Syracuse football on the table. We got hot takes on the table, but I start today with this, my friends, and there's a few preseason football things I want to get to. I'm not going to completely overreact after one day of preseason football. Here we are a day later. And one of the things I brought up yesterday, you know, in the top five things to watch for in the NFL preseason, who's going to have their season wrecked in August? And I just, I hate seeing this, but it's part of football. A guy who I really thought could be right there with Saquon Barkley as one of the better rookie running backs in the NFL, Darius Geis, former LSU running back, who is now with the Washington Redskins. Torres ACL, he's probably out for the year, and you hate to hear that. And there's some other highlights from last night that are at least keeping an eye on are noteworthy. And, you know, for those that say preseason football is worthless, I always like to point things out and, 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 and prove you wrong. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I have seen the future. And thy name is Josh Allen. Look, I know it's one game. I know it's preseason. I know he's playing with guys that are going to be, like, bagging groceries next month. I understand that you can't go all in on this. But how do you not watch Josh Allen throw the football like Uncle Rico? Throwing the ball over them mountains last night and not be excited about the prospects of the quarterback position for the Buffalo Bills. It's funny, because last night, my lovely bride and I went to dinner. My daughter was out of town this week. She comes home today. Can't wait to see her. She's been at Girl Scout camp. But, you know, it was funny. We, it kind of occurred to us, like, well, like, we should like go do adult things because our daughter's not home, right? So we go out to dinner. We had a lovely dinner. Um... Great dinner, by the way. I don't want to give anybody free advertising on the air, but uh, where we went, you can ask me off the air. I just, fantastic place that we tried for the first time and thoroughly enjoyed it. And we will be back. So we had a lovely dinner, and it kind of happened. Where my wife's like, whoa, aren't the bills on right now? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I don't want to watch the first half. She's like, why don't you want to watch the first half? I'm like, I don't need to. 
And here I am talking to my wife about this, and I will share the same conversation with you. I said, I know who Nathan Peterman is, and I know what Nathan Peterman's going to do. I know who A.J. McCarron is, and I know what A.J. McCarron's going to do. And I think I kind of know some other things. There's a few other things that are developing with that team. I think Marcus Murphy could be the third running back on this team, and a lot of, you know, in-the-weeds Bill stuff you don't want to get into. I said, what we need to watch is the fourth quarter when Josh Allen plays. And even she knows, my wife's not a huge sports fan, not a huge Bills fan, but, you know, we've had these conversations enough over the years. And she's like, isn't it the fourth quarter when all the guys who don't make the team play? And I said, yes, exactly. And I said, you're going to see how much better he is than those guys, how they're trying to humble him by putting him out there with the third-teamers. I just want to see how he handles himself in an NFL situation, and, and we'll see that as we go along here. Because the point I have been making, and will continue to make until it's not true, and I feel it's not going to be true sooner than you think, is that Sean McDermott is going to have a hard time hiding Josh Allen. He will do everything he can to downplay him, to say trust the process, we have a plan, to highlight the mistakes that he makes, to tell you he's a rookie, he's not ready, but... What you saw last night is what Bills fans know when they see him, what people that have projected this know. And I will be honest, I have not always been in this camp, okay? I was more of a, and I can't, you know, look, Josh Rosen might be great. I don't want to say I'm wrong because I think Josh Rosen could be a terrific NFL quarterback. That was my preferred choice. That's just the guy that I felt would be the safer pick for the Bills. But the more you look at it, the more Josh Allen fits, the more this is going to turn out to be the right move, I think. If I turn out to be wrong about this, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. There's been plenty of quarterbacks on the scrap pile for the Buffalo Bills. The difference is that kid can throw a football a long way with minimal effort. And I understand that there have been quarterbacks in football, Jeff George namely, that have been able to do that and not be successful at the next level. But you have the most important thing you need in a quarterback. I think the accuracy, I think some of the things that he has to work on, has to be honed, will come. Now That being said, and I understand it's the fourth quarter of an NFL preseason game, but I also know that if you saw the throw, the short throw that Josh Allen made to Ray Ray McLeod, former Clemson wide receiver, who I think, you know, the Bills should keep no matter what. That's a whole different topic for a different day. That's an NFL throw. And I I don't want to make comparisons. I don't want to go over the moon on this kid, but I'm telling you, they're going to have a hard time containing this. That is a Roethlisberger-like throw. That is a Favre-like throw. Not the one that he sailed 60 yards down the field, which a real NFL wide receiver catches. See, that's where being on the field with third stringers hurts Josh Allen because a real NFL receiver makes that catch. And there were some bad plays from Josh Allen last night. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there was put some yakety sacks under some of those highlights, but every rookie in football is going to go through that. So it's a matter of the biggest problem the Bills have now is not only containing the excitement around Josh Allen, it is putting the talent around him that's good enough to play with him. So that's why you have A.J. McCarron and Nate Peterman, and you can talk them up all day long. The fact that Nate Peterman went out went 9 for 10 for whatever he did, I don't care. And A.J. McCarron can hold down, and he's the veteran, and he's a, I don't care. 
They are not the future. They are not the quarterback. Josh Allen is. So how they play this, how they balance it, there's something to be said about don't throw them to the wolves too soon. But what you saw last night in what is an otherwise meaningless preseason game was what could be the future of the Bills, could be the franchise quarterback, all the reasons that they drafted him, all the reasons we projected it. But sometimes first impressions matter. All you need to do is see it for yourself, and now everybody's starting to see it for themselves. Mistakes will be made. Interceptions will be thrown. He'll get sacked. He'll make bad decisions. All those things quarterbacks have to go through. But I have seen the future, and his name is Josh Allen. That kid can throw the ball over them mountains. And I hope I'm not being enticed by that. I hope I'm not just falling in love with his arm, and I'm just distracted by that. And it's just no matter what else happens, I just I am enamored with his arm strength. I hope I don't fall in that trap, but that is rare NFL arm talent that we saw on display last night. Not to mention the tenacity the, it's a preseason game, and he's making throws down the field whenever he can. Like, there's a certain edge to that kid that you can just see that I've seen in other quarterbacks, I saw with him last night, and I like. See, it's not just about talent. It's getting behind a guy. Why are certain quarterbacks so popular? Not only because they're really good, because they'll freaking go for it. You know Brett Favre will try and make that throw. And Brett Favre didn't always make that throw, but you like the fact that he did it. And Roethlisberger and certain quarterbacks that Aaron Rodgers, who combines the talent and the edge, and you want a little smarts in there too, so they make the right throw. But no one likes vanilla. No one wants to rally behind A.J. McCarron. I'm sorry. No one wants to rally behind Nathan Peterman. I'm rooting for Nathan Peterman to prove to people he can play football after that disaster against the Chargers last year. And if he can hold down the fort for 8, 9, 10 games, then good for you, sir. But you are not the future. You can pretend you are, and and Sean McDermott can, with a straight face, put you out there as the starter and pretend you're the guy. Okay? But I know better. I know who the future is, and that's the problem they have. But you can only hide somebody so long because there's actual football games that you play that everybody watches like last night when we're like, yeah, we see who the best quarterback on the roster is. And thy name is Josh Allen. Other preseason thoughts we will get to next, including all it took is one play with Saquon Barkley. The Cleveland Browns have a good problem on their hands because, look, Tyrod Taylor, as a Bills fan speaking here, He's the safe play. It's exactly what I was just saying. Tyrod Taylor's the safe play. He'll go out there. He'll be efficient. He won't throw interceptions. He'll escape sacks. He'll make plays with his feet. He's a fine quarterback. But Tyrod Taylor, how can I put this? (laughs) You just... That's not a guy who's going to, like, ever go skydiving or do something risky or, like, once in a while, you know... There's stories of, hey, man, back when I was in college, I went skinny dipping or something. It's like, no, Tyrod Taylor is just the nice, smooth boat ride, right? Just cruising the lake, man. Don't want to don't want to ripple the, the waves at all. Once in a while, you want to go on the fast boat that goes by at 100 miles per hour, right? Once in a while, you want to be a rebel. Once in a while, you want somebody on a football field that can shake things up. 
and has the talent and is somebody that's easy to root for, and that's Baker Mayfield. So they've got a problem there, a good problem on their hands, some other football things we will discuss. We'll get to some SU football, Nico Tamurian in studio later, some hot takes. With the NFL football bat signal up, uh, not far uh, out there in the world, in this case in Cicero, is our friend Monty, who was called in at 437-7644. Monty, happy Friday. What's happening, man? Brent, hell knows no fury like a Patriot fan scorned. And Patriots Nation feels scorned right now. So you mean to tell me it took the NFL less than 24 hours to investigate the to investigate the Steelers for deflated footballs. Less than 24 hours, we got a not guilty verdict. And the Patriots were investigated for months and months. And we were found guilty. You know what, Monty? Explain and justify that. Go watch Tom versus Time. Go pop in a championship DVD. Go in your closet and pull out another Super Bowl championship. Wah, wah, wah. Patriot fans scorned. I don't want to hear about Patriot fans being scorned. You're the most spoiled franchise fans in the NFL. You were just in the Super Bowl a few months ago. What's this scorn stuff? What's this fake rage you're giving me here? You're a Patriots fan, man. you got nothing to be mad about. This fake outrage that Boston sports fans have, it kills me. Well, Steelers didn't get investigated. Well, how about you don't cheat and those things won't happen? How about you don't deflate footballs and don't do Spygate and don't do things of that nature, which actually didn't really happen, but I like to pretend it does because it just gets Patriot friends riled up. But you want to talk about scorned? Try going 17 years without making the playoffs. See how you feel. And then finally make the playoffs and lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars because Tyrod Taylor is your quarterback and it's whole different topic for a different day, but I never want to hear a Patriot fan call this show and tell me how outraged they are. Okay? You're a Patriot fan. Rooting for the Patriots these days is like rooting for the sun to rise. Okay? Wah, freaking wah. Right, Bill Belichick? Now as Patriot head coach Bill Belichick and coach, preseason football is not about winning or losing, but what do you hope to get out of the first half? Well, you know, you've got to trust the process. And uh, it wasn't very good half of football. And uh, I just want to get out of here. I'm just doing this interview because they're making me. Anything else you want to ask me before I run to the locker room and tell you absolutely nothing? Back after this. This is On the Block with Brent X. Welcome back. Happy Friday, everybody. What is it? Let's see. Three Fridays from now? 21 days from now? Syracuse football? Football? Syracuse, Western Michigan, the Tim Lester Bowl. A few more Fridays and we'll be uh, rolling right along, kids. We'll talk some Syracuse football later. Our buddy Nico Tamurian in studio, top of the hour. Nico and I are great friends 364 days out of the year. Tomorrow's the day when Nico could be burning in front of me and I'd have to ponder whether to pour water. I'd have to think. The annual Street Crunch hockey game happening. Out of shape media people battling for the Street Crunch Media Cup. Come on by tomorrow morning, 1030, Montgomery Street, right across from the War Memorial to watch this spectacle of athletic achievement and T-Max reclaiming the title. 
For now, hit me with that fancy open. Let's do some hot takes, shall we? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. Just in case, if you were wondering if protests would be back in the National Football League, uh, show them what they have won, Johnny. They are back. Last night, uh, Dolphin, Miami Dolphins' Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson took a knee. Rams defensive end Robert Quinn raised a fist. Jaguars' Telvin Smith, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette, and TJ Yeldon stayed in the locker room. Remember, that's the new policy. You have the option to stay in the locker room and not be out there, therefore avoiding protesting, but people know why you're staying in the locker room for the anthem because the NFL, remember, is negotiating with the uh, Players Union to come up with what the policy is going to be. They thought they had one and everybody ripped it apart, so they said, well, maybe that's not the policy. So they're kind of in limbo right now. So, of course, that led to, you know, shooting fish in a barrel and an issue, honestly, that President Trump wins on and people agree with him on because, as I've said from day one, this thing would get so lost in, in politics and so lost in a message that goes away from the reason Colin Kaepernick first started the protest, that it just becomes this thing that stirs up certain sides of the aisle. So let's play a game called Let's Break Down Donald Trump's Latest Tweet About the NFL, Sentence by Sentence. So we will read the sentence and either play this. That is correct. Or we will read a sentence from Donald Trump's Latest Tweet About the National Football League protest and play this. So that's how we play the game, kids. Let us go. And I will not do a bad Trump impression as I read this. NFL players are at it again, taking a knee when they should be standing proudly for the national anthem. That is correct. That is correct. We agree with that. Okay. What else we got? Numerous players from different teams wanted to show their, quote, outrage at something that most of them are unable to define. That is incorrect. Most of them know why they're protesting. They are protesting, uh, in their eyes, the inequality of treatment of African-Americans by uh, police in this country. That is why they're protesting. Whether you agree or disagree with that notion is up to you, but that is why, and I would say 100% of them are aware of why they're doing what they're doing. Let's go on. They make a fortune doing what they love. Well, that's certainly true. Now, here's my favorite part of the tweet. Be happy. Be cool. That's a real tweet from the president of the United States. What I like about that is Donald Trump has become Jules from Pulp Fiction. Be cool, Yolanda, because we're a bunch of Fonzies here. And what happens with Fonzie? Fonzie's cool, right? I I wanted to play the clip from the movie, but there's just too many swear words, and I just didn't feel like committing an FCC violation today. Be cool, Yolanda, because when you point a gun at me, Love Pulp Fiction. I read that thing, and I, the first, it's the first thing I thought. I, I, I am not the only one that thought of Pulp Fiction when I read this. Let's head down the home stretch here. A football game that fans are paying so much money to watch and enjoy is no place to protest. Um, I'm going to go with this. That is correct. Um, just a minor clarification. A football game, which is a preseason game, which football fans are basically held hostage to pay for, which they should not be. But I do agree with that notion. Most of that money goes to the players anyway. Ooh, I'm sorry. Oh, that is incorrect, sir. Most of the money goes to the owners. The owners win that one. 
Find another way to protest. That is correct. I agree with that. I think there's plenty of formats and places where they can do that. On the field is not where I would prefer they do it. And finally, stand proudly for your national anthem or be suspended without pay. Uh, Do we have like an in the middle button there? I mean, that's certainly up to owners if they want to do that, but I don't think we have to go that far, but uh, it's an easy win. That's hot. Easy slam dunk, shooting fish in a barrel, rah-rah patriotism tweet for the president to do, which, again, for the most part, I agreed with. I agree with most of what he says in there. There's a few things in there. It's like most of the money goes to the players. No, (laughs) it's certainly not true. This is a very weird story. I don't know how much you guys have seen this, but there is a uh, assistant coach for Wake Forest basketball, Jamil Jones has been arrested and charged with third-degree assault in connection with the death of a 35-year-old Florida man who was in New York City for a wedding. You're like, whoa, what happened there? So Jones turned himself in yesterday. He was arraigned last night, released on his own recognizance. He has to return to court in October. The New York City medical examiner officially ruled the death a homicide. The official cause of death is blunt impact injury of the head. Now, what happened was, according to the NYPD, Jones, the coach at Wake Forest, punched a man in the face after a confrontation early Sunday morning. So the man came over and knocked on his car window, thinking it was his Uber. Words got said, argument starts, Jones punches the dude and kills him. Blunt force trauma to the head. Blunt impact injury to the head with brain injury. I've heard these stories. You see it in TV shows. You see it in movies, right? Like one punch and like you just, if you punch somebody in a situation, and I'm not a doctor, I just play one on the radio, but you hit somebody in the right spot, you, you, this can happen, right? So now you have this coach who, like, I don't know the circumstances of it. Was it self-defense? Was he scared? Like, somebody comes up and knocks on your window. Like, you're going to be startled and things are going to happen. But, man, can you imagine this? This is this is why we have law and order. This is why we have these TV shows where they work this out over 42 minutes. This is why I just watched one of these documentaries on Netflix. It's called The Staircase, where you can get 13 episodes out of a Netflix docuseries that is a seemingly simple thing. Did this man's wife fall down the stairs or was she murdered? And you're like, well, and then you start getting in the weeds of it and the details that come out. It's like, wow, there's a lot involved here. So I am going to be fascinated to see where this story goes. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer either, but I play one on the radio. It's like, where is self-defense? Where is you punched him because it was an argument? And look, you killed a guy. Is that manslaughter? Like, how's that going to go? And if you're Wake Forest, who placed him on leave, and they kind of have to see how this goes. But just a weird, weird story. That's hot. To, to see that happen. Can you imagine being in that situation from many angles, let alone Jamil Jones? Small argument turns into you punch a guy and he's dead. Incredible. I brought this up earlier, but, you know, one of the things you look for in the NFL preseason is the big injury. And you don't want to look for it, but you know it's going to happen. And Darius Geis is the first big victim. Former LSU running back who, of course, uh, played Syracuse a couple times in recent years. Tore his ACL 
out for the season, uh, tore it on a carry at the end of the first quarter. You get drafted, you do all that work. Geis was seen as somebody who could kind of, you know, Saquon Barkley's getting all the attention, but could be kind of like a sneaky pick for rookie of the year. The Redskins had big hopes for him. You know, all the hype, all the discussion, the early thoughts about how good he could be. And it's interesting to see kind of the renaissance the running back position has had in the NFL. And we're going to have some fantasy football experts on over the next couple of weeks. And I'm always curious kind of where the running back position is in fantasy football because it seems like it's almost having a renaissance in real football after such an emphasis on, you know, the passing game. And, you know, you could take Antonio Brown number one in your fantasy draft and, and get away with it. But Geis also would have been a he if you haven't had your fantasy draft yet, and most people haven't, we're starting to kind of hit that stride when people are doing their fantasy drafts. I think I brought this up during our top five things to watch in the NFL preseason yesterday. There's always that guy that people overpay for that goes much higher in your draft than maybe you thought and turns into like the hyped this is the guy fantasy player. I think Geis was clearly in that discussion. I think a lot of fantasy players that were getting ready for their drafts kind of thought they had that under their you know under their hat like oh I got one here man I'm gonna sneak in I'm gonna take Geis in like the second round that's gone now and certainly we wish him the best and he just that's what you hate to hear August is one of those months where you just kind of want to float along float along let's talk football let's build up football and if you're a fan of a football team. You're just like, let's let, not that it's any better that somebody gets hurt when the season starts. It just kind of feels better in your mind. You're like, just no injuries, no injuries, no injuries, no injuries. Redskin fans today had that feeling come through. Fantasy football fans today had that feeling come through. Damn, not him. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And the text line is up at 2880644. I wanted to add this. Breaking hot takes news. I saw this during the break. In a move that's about a decade too late, but it's now officially official, a uh, little uh, lacrosse news to throw at you here in the middle of August. Uh, as uh, reported by College Cross, the SB Nation lacrosse blog, and, I, you know, I don't know how to say this guy's last name, unfortunately. Is it a Jastrzebensky? Chris Jastrzebensky is a great lacrosse writer. You should follow him on Twitter. Reporting that uh, lacrosse now officially has a shot clock. The NCAA Rules Committee has passed a 60-second shot clock for men's lacrosse to use beginning in the upcoming 2019 season. Again, a decade too late, but good that uh, it's officially official. And I guess uh, better late than never in that case. Let's break on that note. We will come back. Nico Tamurian in studio coming up. We'll talk some SU football coming up next hour. We'll head into that weekend, baby. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.